I'm really pleased to introduce today's uh, guest speaker. In fact, Jeannie and Grant, can you both come just for a minute? And uh, these, Jeannie is the present, president's the title, right, of Christian Heritage College. And um, Grant is her wonderful husband, who also works in the, uh, in the IT sector. And, um, and they've been back in Australia now for quite a number of years, um, originally from the US and Australia and other countries, right? They get around a lot. But I just wanted to take a moment to um, just publicly thank you both. Um, not that we see each other too often, but we, when we do, it's always really special. And um, you've become good friends uh, to Shelley and I and to this church as well. And so I just want to take a, a quick moment to pray for you um, before Jeannie opens the word today. Lord, I just I want to pray for uh, this couple in the way that they have just said yes repeatedly to your calling in their life. And as a result, Lord, I've seen the fruit. And, um, and God, we just pray a blessing over them both now. We pray, Father, that you'll continue to provide for their needs, that you'll continue to show them the way. And uh, Lord, um, as a result, many people will hear from you and, um, and say yes to uh, your calling in their life. So we just pray now for this moment as, as uh, Jeannie brings the word today, that uh, Father, you will open our um, our, the eyes of our heart will see that we'll be wide open to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank, you. Thank you. Good morning. That's lots of mornings, isn't there? Um, all right. Come with me on this journey. Let me start with a little story. Way back when we had two kids, two years old and eight, um, eight years old then, and we traveled across Europe. Yes, we were nuts. I mean, two-year-old kiddo, not quite trained, potty trained. So there was one time, one, this one incident that really stuck out in our mind. Um, we were in Florence, and Florence is an old city. Grant had the um, stupidity or, or, or courage to drive in Tuscany. So we had to return this rental car. We had this vision of where the car need, needed to, to, to go. This was before GPS. Can you imagine life before GPS? Yeah, okay, some of, some of you don't even know what a map looks like, <laughs> let alone what it does. We had a little map, and that map did not show us all the streets of Florence. We had to catch a train. We had no idea how to return the car. We knew what it looked like, no direction. Yeah, you start sweating bullets, right? It's like, where do we go? We actually prayed and said, Lord, would you lead us to that place? Because we have no idea. The map in hand doesn't help. And we have no idea where to go in the city. Guess what? Seriously miraculous. We ended up that place. The Holy Spirit said, take this turn, take that turn. I tell you, that still remains with me. Sometimes there's vision, no directions. Sometimes you just go and hope you end up there. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to come together in your house, to worship you together, and to hear your word together. Lord, would you open up our hearts and minds to hear what you have for us? And Lord, would you have your word take hold? Move us, change us, transform us to be more like Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, all right. Now, close your eyes for a moment. You don't have to if you're scared. Um, and imagine this. 
You're on a beach. It's nice and warm. Your toes are in the sand. That's a cold drink in your hand. And you take a deep breath and go, life is good. Now, if you like mountains, think about a mountain view before you. How did you get there? You can open up your eyes now. How did you get there? Well, let me tell you, you didn't get there by just driving somewhere and landing on the beach and the drink comes in front of you. Sometimes you, it might happen. I mean, you live close enough to a beach, right? But most often, you would have done a lot of different things before you got there, correct? For a vacation, you would do your research. You would price things out. You would do all that planning because you have this vision of the holiday. Well, it's interesting that we spend more time planning a vacation than we do identifying a vision and, out, and, and the outcomes that we want to see in our lives. Yes? Oof. What I share with you today is not, I'm not coming as an expert. It's, it's coming alongside of you. Because when I shared this message with Grant, he says, oh, I'm convicted. I need to see what, you know, I need to seek God for vision. So if we go around doing all this planning for, 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 for a vacation, listen, nothing wrong with vacations, all right? We love vacations. Yes, everybody? Yeah. yeah. But if we keep on wandering aimlessly, only living for vacations, sure, you can live that way, but you will end up nowhere except on the beach once every, once a year once every two years, whatever it is that you want to do. Isn't there something more to life than that? You know, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. You guys are familiar with that. I was going to bring a Bible up here because, boy, it makes me look more holy, doesn't it? But at some point in my life, my, my eyes kind of changed and the print of the Bible got further and further and I didn't want to look even more stupid if I would try, to try and read it. So uh, come with me. I'm praying that what I shared with you today, you will be challenged, inspired and encouraged. So let's start with the foundational premise, all right? You and I are created by God for him and his purposes. Agreed? We are a product of his vision, and we serve a creative God. It is up to us to seek God and discover his purpose for us and follow through. He's placed before uh, each of us opportunities um, and responsibilities are filled with divine significance. Let me repeat that. Each of us are given opportunities and responsibilities to do things that are filled with divine significance. Each of us, no exception. He has given you gifts, talents, and relationships that are waiting to be used to the max on behalf of his kingdom. We might have different ways of getting there. That's okay. All right? So let's start with Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, why? For good works, which, cry, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, if that's not purpose and vision, I don't know what else is. Each of us, no exceptions. Okay? So if that's the case, do we just drift along, going off, doing our own thing? Or do we actually look 
at what He has for us. Seek Him. Because if He has positioned each of us to be light, wherever we are placed, doesn't matter where, in culture, in family, in the workplace, in the community. Listen, the world right now is filled with anxiety, uncertainty, fear. Yes? Why do we want to be like the world? Is there something else that God has for us that we would stand up, stand out, and be light in a dark culture? That's a, that's a challenge that we each face, and we have opportunities. So above and beyond the achievements associated with, with you know, ambition, with, with goals and all that, God wants to draw people to himself. We have to be close to God, otherwise we can't draw people to, to, to God. Yeah? Today we're going to look at vision as an individual imperative, each of us having vision, not just leaving it to Nathan. I mean, he does a great job. Look, this is fantastic. But each of us need vision. Yeah? So what is vision? Oh, that's a scary word. You know, it seems like a big word that we think it's only for pastors like Nathan, um, organizational leaders, or um, people who have got big responsibilities, right? But today we're going to kind of break that down a little bit into chunks. What does vision have to do with each of us? All right, let me tell you that vision does not mean that you use your imagination to kind of make things up that you'd like to, for God to do for you. That's what we do, don't we, sometimes? We think of, oh Lord, I'm going to be this. Can you please bless it? I think that's a little bit of a change when we say, Lord, what are you doing? Give me a heart for what you're doing and help me do it. Change in perspective. In the um, NIV, the translators actually use the word revelation instead of the word vision. I like that. Because vision seems to be, oh, I'm going to think about the future, but revelation means God has a hand in it. So awesome. See, before we were saved, each of us was saved. Before we were saved, God actually gave us revelation or a vision of what it would be like to be cleaned, to be saved. That's why we stepped up and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. Yes? There was vision involved. But the thing is, you're not just called to be saved, you're also called to serve. I love this church. Every time we come, we see evidence of people with a heart to serve God. Um, just before the service, do you know how many people actually had to get up early, come and make all this happen? Amazing. Because they have a vision to serve. They have a vision to see, to see God blessing each of us. And there are numerous examples like this. So we are called to serve, and a vision will clarify how and what direction. What is God's desire for your life at this time? Vision at its simplest is the ability to see. Helen Keller was an author, political... You've heard of Helen Keller, right? Blind, first person to earn a Bachelor's of Arts. And this is what she says, the only thing worse than being born blind is having sight but no vision. How apropos is that? So before I go there, I, I see that I've missed a, a, a verse that has, is tied to vision. That's Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, light, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So serve to glorify God. Sight and uh, uh, having sight is no use unless you have vision. 
So let me share this with you. Oxford Languages, the dictionary, this is a non-Christian uh, dictionary, right? Vision is defined as one, the faculty of state of being able to see, right? We have eyes, we see. But second, the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. Love that. Even a secular dictionary can talk about the future, thinking about it with imag imagination or wisdom. Dr. J. Mike Minix, I love this particular um, uh, definition. Uh, divine, uh, sorry, vision, um, sorry, a divine revelation of God's purpose and plan, which the receiver, you and I, can visualize and accomplish by taking steps to follow God to fulfillment. Divine revelation of God's purpose. Who wants divine revelation of God's purpose at every step of the way I do? You do too. Now, Jeannie Trudell, that's me. Um, I realize that's my name. Um, vision from a biblical perspective is the God-breathed and God-inspired ability to think about, imagine, or see the future with wisdom and insight. How's that? God-breathed. God-inspired ability to think about, imagine, or see the future with wisdom and insight. If, if the founders of this church did not have that inspired, God-breathed ability to think about the future as a church here, this would not have happened. If Nathan did not, and, 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 and uh, the leadership of this church did not dream, did not envision that new wing, that would not have happened, right? So let's look at Paul. Oh, as an unbeliever, he had vision, didn't he? Man, he was very effective at carrying out his, his, his job. He saw his, himself as the defender of the Jewish faith. He went around persecuting all the Jew, Jews who became Christians, who followed the way. But here's the thing. A series of encounters with God changed his vision and the lives of many, including us. His first encounter was on the road to Damascus. We're all familiar with that. God put a design in his heart for what God, what, what he wanted Paul to do. So in Acts 9, 1 to 6, listen, if you like to follow along, because if you have a Bible, you can read it because your sight might be better than mine or this. But if you want to listen, that's okay. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This is Acts 9, 1 to 6. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Boy, that was a divine encounter, wasn't it? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And then Acts 9, 19 to 22. For some days, Paul was with the disciples in Damascus. This is shortly after the encounter with Jesus. Immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him was amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem for those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength. Love this. He increased in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. What's interesting to me is this. 
His vision changed because of an encounter with Christ. Our vision can change with an encounter with Christ. The new vision was built on his previous experience. God doesn't waste anything in our lives, right? He already knew scripture, the Jewish scripture, but now God breathed life into it and he did something different. Now, having a vision from God means to have his desires for your life in your heart. That's what vision is for us. Vision is not just sheer ambition. It's having God's desires in our heart for our lives. Nehemiah is another hero in my faith. Uh, Really, great story, right? We always talk about how amazing it was. This guy helped gather the exiles and built a wall in 52 days. Now, I don't know about you, but I could have been like him because he was the cupbearer to the, the king. There was no record in the Bible about Nehemiah being a leader or a wall builder. For all we know, he knew nothing about bricks and mortar. He served the king. Now, if I were him, I probably would have argued with God and say, Lord, I don't know anything about leadership. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know anything about how to gather um, lumber and all the rest of the stuff that ne- that's needed to do a wall. Sometimes in our lives, we say no to God because we think we can't do it. Nehemiah, though, was different. He prayed and asked God. And listen to this verse in Nehemiah 2.12. I set out during a night with a few others. He was scoping, right? I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. See that, those high, that, that highlight? What my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Each of us, if we listen to God, we can find out what he's, he wants to put in our heart for fill in the blank. Your assignment and mine are different. We've got, we've got a heart for different things, different ministries, different ways of doing things, all right? So that's, that's a good lesson. So um, the question is, when we discover our, our God-given purpose, it makes all the difference. That's what happened to Nehemiah and Paul. So why do we need vision? Vision clarifies your God-given purpose. And please don't think, it's not a once-off, okay? Vision also ensures alignment. It uses your gifts, talents, and skills in the most unexpected ways. So um, when I was young, yes, once upon a time, I was young. Um, And I used to, when I was a kid, I wasn't gifted at music. I took piano lessons, right? I can play the piano, etc. God had me teaching music. Don't ask me how the kids fared. I think they suffered a little bit because I threatened them and said, if you don't practice, you come, I'm going to throw you and your books out the door. Not an effective t- teaching strategy. But because I learned music, even though I wasn't good at it, I did crazy stuff. I was in charge of a, uh, um, a school choir when I was in high school. And then later on, at different times in my life, I stepped in like a, a children's um, music production. My son was a sheep. Um, Very glamorous role. Um, But I was available and got used the different pieces. And then I realized the reason I could do that was because I had a gifting to call people together. 
It wasn't the music gifting. It was the fact that I was gifted in calling people together and it's like conducting and orchestrating. All right, let's come together. That's a common purpose. So that was an interesting way of finding out about my um, gifting and my calling. Make sense? And the vision to bring people to God wherever I am. And the thing is, God can also tweak your vision, can't he? Enlarge as he sees fit. That's what he did for Paul. The second recorded encounter that Paul had with, with, with Christ um, was, uh, was this. It's in Acts 22, 17 to 21. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, that's Paul saying, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I was also standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Interesting. Seems that Paul wanted to stick with the original vision. It, it sounded like he was saying, but God, I was there with the Jews. I'm really good with them. I can, I can, I can, I can um, get into the heads. And um, God says, nope, you're going further afield. I, I suspect that if God had not gone to the Gentiles, we won't be here today. His obedience to God and large generations, yes? Have you ever had the experience of going in one direction and then God changes it? Yeah, I think many of us can say that. But note that for ch the change for Paul extended his influence and mission. It grew bigger than him. Look at the impact that he had. So God can do something different. And then in part of it too is what I found interesting was sometimes God doesn't reveal to you what he wants you to do, all that vision at the same time. Remember that Ananias actually was told uh, by God, go to Paul. Remember that? And ministered to him, and Ananias was going, no thanks. I mean, this guy, is he's going after us. He'll kill us, etc." But God actually said to Ananias that um, um, uh, he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of God to bear his name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. That vision was set before Paul even got into the game. And then the third recorded encounter was when, when God says to Paul, go to Rome. You're going to be before kings. He was before King Agrippa, etc., etc. Wow. I love the way that God just works in us, enlarges our vision. When Nathan, I'm going to pick on you, Nathan, because you're so, you're just right there. When Nathan started at the, at, at, the, at the hills, I don't know if he started his first day going, we're going to build an extension. <laughs> he, he goes, no. But God enlarged his vision, right? He's got the church seeking God. And then God enlarged a vision. Who knows what's going to happen after this? God's going to give you guys a vision for whatever he wants to do in this community and make a difference. Amen. But the thing is, we each have to seek God. What's your vision for this church? Not just Nathan. And he's saying, he, he didn't pay me for this, okay? Just saying. <laughs> so Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So great stories, right? Paul, Nehemiah, what does it do for you? 
Have you been feeling stuck? Are you cruising? Do you feel like life just happens to you, no control, no particular purpose? I'm encouraging you to seek God. And my prayer for you is that you seek God for renewed purpose and vision. So what does vision do? You need to know why, what it does. Otherwise, what's the point, right? When the Bible talks about vision, it means something higher than what we can reach ourselves. If you can do it by yourself, you don't need God. It's not a godly vision. Godly vision pushes us. You want to join, what, what, um, uh, join in with what God is going to do. So I'm going to give us four acronyms. When I sent the notes, I only had three. But see, this is what happens. I talked to my sister, and there's now four. I stopped talking to anyone after that. Otherwise, the sermon might last until the afternoon. <laughs> so there are four things that vision does. One, which is not on this, is mold. If, for those who are note takers, M-O-L-D, not, not the, is that how we spell it in Australia? M-O-L-D, to mold someone? As opposed to the mold and mildew? Okay, M-O-U-L-D, all right? See, I just, just wanted to make sure that you guys are awake. So vision does this for us. It actually molds us into the people that God wants us to be. It's an opportunity for God to transform us. That's what vision can do, right? Number two, action. Number three, direction. Number four, distance. We're going to break it down, but I just wanted to kind of cover that briefly. So first, I want you to do this. Consider your current series of influence that God has placed you. Have you considered asking him for his vision for you in each of these contexts? For those of you in high school, you're not just placed there to, to, to study and attend classes. Ask God, what is it that he wants you to accomplish during your season in the high school? Do you have a heart for some, a group of other students or in a certain area? For those of us who are adults, what is your context of your workplace, your church, your family, your community? What does God want you to do? Ask Him for revelation in each of those contexts. So for instance, let me take the family. When Grant and I, uh, neither of us grew up in a Christian family, right? So we did not, we, we were not raised up in faith, although he went to, to, to Catholic church and I went to Sunday school in a Methodist church. When we got married and we had kids, we wanted, we wanted to have a vision, God's vision for our family, which was we wanted the kids to know God, right? And part of it too is we, wanted the, we, wanted, we had a vision of our kids being able to listen to God for themselves. Make sense? So um, and that's what we had envisioned. Now that they're older... We are in the process of seeking God. What is the vision for our family now that the kids are older and, and um, the older kid now has kids who are grandparents? Vision changes. Seek God, right? So if that's the case, then God's going to use this vision of the family to mold us, to be the parents that we're not yet, to the, be the grandparents that we're not yet to be the aunt and uncle that we're not yet. Got it? Second, action. If let's say, and I'll, I'll continue with this example. If you want the example or the vision, if you have the vision for a family that follows Christ, what are the actions 
that follow. What do you do? Are you reading the Bible together as a family? Do you have family nights? Um, or are you as parents working so hard that you don't have time to spend with your family? How do you mold them? How do you, how do you, how do you get that vision if, if the actions don't follow? Yeah? And action also focuses your direction. You can say no or yes to opportunities because they align. If you say yes, it's because it aligns with your mission or your vision. And it helps you go the distance when the time gets, gets hard. You know that you're following God. So it's, you stick with it, yeah? And that's the whole point of this. So if you, let's say that for your personal, and this is not just workplace, not just um, church, community, and family. It's also personal. If you have a vision of yourself to be a really strong believer, what are we doing to ensure that vision comes true? Are we solidly in the Word? Are we um, actually attending church or, or um, podcasting or whatever it is that we want to do? Because your actions dictate where you're going to go. It gives you, it gives you the framework or process to, to, go, to go where God is, you think God is leading you. So when it comes to direction, don't wander around aimlessly in life. Focus. What are the essentials in your life? And the distance part, having a vision actually helps you go the, the distance. Let me share very quickly with you the story of my sister. Um, she is a worship director in Malaysia. And I tell you, she, her life reads almost like Job. She was married. Within three and a half years, her husband died of brain cancer. He was diagnosed three months after she had a miscarriage. Crazy, right? And then two weeks ago, the guy that she would have married died of cancer. I'm going, wow, this is crazy. What is happening with you, Susan? And when I shared with her this message, she says, I have a vision of what God wants me to do. And that is to, um, to, to really enlarge the, the, the um, worship ministry to help people to draw them into the presence of God. And that's, that's kept me going, even through personal pain even through um, situations beyond her control. Amazing, because I, I've been speaking to her almost every day uh, since, since her loss, and I, I see resilience. I hear, I, I hear strength, even in the midst of grief. So vision can dictate how far you go and how long you stay with it. How crazy is that? Great testimony, right? So according to Jane, John Maxwell, three things about vision, okay? Awareness, the ability to see. Ask God, help me see. Two, attitude, the faith to believe. Vision, it's got to, you've got to have faith. You've got to be able to, to, to believe what God's going to do. And action, the courage to do. Don't hold back. Step out in faith and make it happen. So how? Seek the Lord, surrender your will. God gives us a care or a heart for something or someone. Sometimes it may actually start with you being irked or angry about something that's not right. We, we all have pet peeves, right? Ask the Lord if you're supposed to do some, something about it. If you're not, then shut up. <laughs> Stop complaining. <laughs> I'm bad on time. So ask the Lord for a vision for a particular area or sphere of your life. 
And even as I'm speaking now, some of you are convicted. I know that some of you are going, okay, you know what? I need to refine that vision for my family or for my workplace. It's not by accident that you're placed in a workplace. Some of you might not like where you're working, but ask God, what is he having you there for? I was in a college once and I just, you know, I was struggling. Lord, why am I here? It doesn't seem like the place that I need to be and where my gifts are going to be used. You may not know this, but this is what he said to me. I want you during your time here to just pray for people and encourage them. And that was it. That was my, my vision was to bring the Holy Spirit into the workplace for the time I'm there. And when I was discharged, um, he gave me another assignment. Similar thing, bring the Holy Spirit where you are and, and, and draw people to God because ultimately any vision glorifies God if it's His vision for your life. So to finish up, three things, maybe four, to be wary of. Do not get ahead of God, okay? <laughs> Some of you will go, oh, I've got a vision, now I'm going to make it happen. Be patient to wait on him. His timing is perfect. Sometimes you feel like you're not there yet, and that's okay. L listen, Nehemiah might have built the wall in 52 years, but 70 years later, Peter, Alexander the Great came in and destroyed everything. But guess what? Nehemiah still did what God wanted him to do. The outcomes are not about, about us. The process of God molding and, and giving us direction, that's more important. So number two, let God's revealed vision lead you to prepare and be more open to him and his work in you. Okay? Let God lead you to prepare and be more open to him and his work in you. Number three, oh, it goes with number one. Don't try to make it all happen. It doesn't depend on you. Some of us think that if we don't do something, nothing will happen. Man, I think we sometimes place ourselves as God, right? So be careful of that. And lastly, a vision from God will always be tied to Him being glorified with the end result of people coming into a new and deeper relationship with Him. That's it. You know, that's the end of that. So think about what it would like, look like for you to stay connected to God as you carry out His vision. Ask Him for a vision. Let us pray. Father, thank You so much that Your Word carries weight. Lord, even as we, we uh, connect with you and your word, would you, would you please give each person here, without exception, a vision for their families, their workplaces, their communities, their church, themselves. And Lord, thank you that you're going to make it happen, that we don't have to, we don't have to go ahead of you. Neither do we have to, to feel like the, the weight of the responsibility is ours. Lord, would you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.